This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Back to the flip the to the fire court. Harrington back to get it. Gets away from the forechecking Coleman. And now gives the puck away to Mangiapane. Plays it to Coleman, it returns it to Mangiapane. Mangiapane feeds it in front, bouncing puck. Picked up by Weger, who shoots and misses the Sharks net. But that will do it. The Flames score a season-high seven and complete a two-game sweep of the Sharks at SAP Center in San Jose. Tonight, they skate to a 7-3 win. Make it two in a row for the Calgary Flames. They have guaranteed themselves at least four of a possible eight points and come away with a big win. This is Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you. Coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios in the still frozen Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Another full room today. Brody on the beat. Alex Brody's hanging out with us. Cam and Taylor in the other room. Lots to get to on today's program. We'll break down the Flames and the Sharks from last night with Pete Labardius in just moments. Special night tonight at the Scotiabank Saddledome as well. Wranglers and the Ontario Reign. So we'll bring in the play-by-play voice of the Calgary Wranglers, Sandra Persina at 12.30. And Wednesday means another edition of Ask Andy. Our fantasy football guru joins us in hour two of the program today. you got fantasy football questions for Andy. 960-960 on the fan feedback line, which is always open to you here on Sportsnet 960. The fan will also chat some NFL topics with Andy as the NFL's regular season has just three weeks remaining and uh, still some interesting storylines to be handed out across that league. But we'll kick things off like we always do. Let's be heading down the Atlas Beach and Sports Park guest hotline. And welcoming in our uh, Flames insider and the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. He is Peter Labardius, and he's brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at GeminiGroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I am good. I am good. Good to hear. Uh, big win for the Calgary Flames last night, 7-3 in San Jose. At one point, uh, Flames fans were probably a little tense last night as the game eventually gets tied at three. But what did you make of last night's effort for Daryl Sutter's crew? Well, I loved the first two periods minus the costly error at the end of the second period. Frustrated with that entire play, a a tough change. They had given the Sharks absolutely nothing that entire period. And with a broken play and broken coverage, you know, found themselves in a one-goal game. And I really thought at that point, well, San Jose really hasn't had a push all game long. And for any team in their own building, they're probably going to have a five to seven minute stretch where they put some heat on you. And that play, that goal by 
Barabanov late in the second gave them momentum, gave them belief. And they didn't have any because, to the Flames' credit, they absolutely owned the first two periods. However, they found themselves in a 3-3 tie, and I cannot say enough on this hit about Jacob Markstrom today. Because at 3-3, you take a retaliatory penalty. Uh, the Sharks, who had already scored and looked dangerous on the power play uh, in this series, he makes some great saves there. Flames get through that bad pinch deep in the zone, and he makes just a, a terrific save on a two-on-one. The Flames go the other way, make an excellent play, and Kadri makes it. Four to three, and the Flames, needless to say, took over from there. So, you know, that in a nutshell would be my synopsis. Way, way more good than bad. But, you know, if they're going to continue to get on a run, and I know it's being nitpicky, what happened at the end of the second period are things that you just you don't want to see happen. And it nearly cost them. And I don't ever react too terribly one way or another, at least I try not to, to one game or one win or one stretch. Logan, that may have been the most disappointing loss of the year had San Jose been able to carry on and win that game. But instead, once again, a lot of your key people, as was the case Sunday, stepped up and delivered against the San Jose team that did not exactly get stellar goaltending or stellar defensive play in that two-game set. No, we've talked about that a lot, Lou. This team's had a couple chances to give themselves sort of these, I don't want to say stress-free nights, but maybe less tense nights and... They haven't been able to do that. You feel different going into the third period up 3-1 than you do after that Barabanov goal. And maybe the third is a little bit of a, of a lighter stretch for them. You're not so tense, you know, protecting that one goal lead. And all of a sudden, Timo Meyer ties things. And you're thinking, holy, how did we let this get to 3-3? It would have been... And if it, look, eventually they get there. The back half of the third period will got back to to where the Flames wanted it, but we've talked about that a couple times. It would be nice for this team to to just have a couple of those stress-free nights where it's not such a, a grind to the last minute. I'm not sure you're going to get many of them, and that's, and that's not completely a reflection on the team. I think that's just a reflection of schedule, competition. Um, there's... At the end of the day, Logan, there's no real easy nights very often in this league. You look around everywhere, regardless of the team, um, you know, because we're so singularly focused in this market, as we should be, um, you know, you're, you're seeing it through that lens, right? But it, uh, it, it's not really that easy for anybody. I mean, another perfect example, you know, last night, and I didn't obviously get a chance to see any of the game, but, you know, the Leafs are playing Tampa. Now, those are two dynamite teams playing great hockey. Well, you look at the final score, and it's 4-1. 
I get home and see the highlights last night and understand what happened, that's not 4-1. And there's a lot of those nights. And last night for the Flames, yes, it's 7-3. But to me, that's a 5-3 game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some new pairings, uh, I guess not new pairings, but new forward line combinations last night. That top line of Dubé to Foley and Lindholm was tremendous to start the game again. What did you uh, What did you make of the new look lines for the Flames last night? Well, you know, let's start first with the line that stayed the same. And and look, and the gentleman I want to give a lot of credit to, and I don't want to take anything away from. In fact. Um, Tomorrow we're going to talk more about Tyler Toffoli because, frankly, I'm not sure we have enough on this hit for how consistent and the work he's done. And, you know, two more goals last night, moving him up to 13 on the season. Logan, I have been waiting, sensing it was coming for probably parts of the last two seasons. Dylan Dubé, to me, looks like he has arrived. He has 15 points in 16 games. He's playing with a boatload of confidence. His speed is outstanding. His work defensively away from the puck has been much, much better. Uh, He's found some chemistry and synergy with Lindholm and Toffoli. Uh, He's really playing some great hockey and, you know, Daryl talks all the time, and for good reason. I'm completely on that same page about, you know, even going back to the preseason about your, you know, your 23 to 29-year-old age group needs to take another step. And we haven't necessarily seen that from a lot of that group. There are exceptions. Rasmus Anderson would be one for me who is having a fine, fine season but others have, have struggled in that category to take another step. Well, Dylan has found another step. And, uh, you know, it's been a treat to watch. You hope it continues. He's just, he for me, and we saw it, you know, in the back half of last year. Uh, to me, this is a little different. I, I just think he's become more complete. He's become more dangerous. I'm finding that he's making better plays. So so that's been great. Now, in regards to, you tell me which one you want to go to next. You want to go... Well, let's, let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about Kadri, Huberto, and, and Lucic, because that was the one that, that made the most noise when that line was put together at practice. Well, here's my take on that situation. I think it's incredibly important for Milan Lucic to feel like he's playing an important role on this team. And for three games in a row, after missing three, he has absolutely responded the right way. And one of the reasons I felt like it was time for him to maybe have a bit of a timeout is one way I evaluate players is when their strengths, Logan start to become a weakness, then I'm concerned. So for Milan, what I've always enjoyed, even in the last few years, we know about the physicality and and getting in on the forecheck. 
But his hockey IQ is something that has been always incredibly high. He's always been a really reliable guy in his own zone. And when he's at his best with his big body and his IQ, he generally makes sure a lot of pucks gets out of his own zone. Well, that was not happening for a few weeks. And that was not him. And that was a real telltale sign that, you know, when he isn't making some plays and, and good decisions at respective blue lines, now to me it's taken a step that I haven't seen for a while. But he makes he makes a brilliant play on the go-ahead goal by Kadri after, you know, you watch that whole play, that chip under duress that Huberto makes on the boards for one of his three assists as he has his biggest offensive production night since becoming a flame, um, was fantastic. And Lucic makes a wonderful play inside the zone to find Kadri, who absolutely threw that in a place where the good Lord and Savior, I don't think, stops that shot. Um, so do I see it necessarily as a permanent solution? Or that's probably not even the right way. Do I see it? as a grouping that stays together for a long, long time? Not necessarily, but Luch deserved that opportunity. Um, He created room for those other two gentlemen, certainly Huberto. He benefited. Kadri had a fine night. So we'll we'll likely, I would think, see it again tomorrow and what's going to be the biggest game of their trip. And on the Backlund, Coleman, Mangiapane front, only line that didn't score in the game last night, but I like them. I like them. I, I like their four check. I, I like how they checked. Um, they made some plays. They were quite unlucky, frankly, not to get a little bit more done. So that would be my take on the forward combos and how it all played out last night. Last night also worked out pretty well for the Flames in the sense that Nikita Zadorov was able to go. Chris Tanev also back in the lineup. Just a casual 21-53 from, from Chris last night, and he's just his importance never ceases to amaze me in what he does for that group back there, Lou, and it wasn't something that was lost on the head coach when asked about his defense last night. So put Tanny in there, it gives you some stability. I think Wiggs was really, you know, Wiggs is a really good player for us, so that's a really good partner for him. I think Noah and Ross play a lot of minutes, so they're still learning as they go, but they give it everything they got, and it's a a challenge. So let's get to all of that. That was my. I'm glad you used that today. That's my favorite clip of his post-game news conference. So yes, Chris, and probably Chris would tell you last night. I know he was really disappointed on on the first goal that he and Mackenzie were out for. Mackenzie Weger is playing some terrific hockey right now, and. It is a great sign, and it's incredibly important for this team going forward. His confidence is terrific. 
Uh, right now, he seems equally as comfortable on both sides of the ice. He's seeing the game. He's making great exits. Um, he plays so hard. Uh, like his partner, Chris, you know, they really defend. They're two guys. They're interesting to watch in this sense. They don't necessarily, especially in Chris's case, make every play clean. But even if there's a little bobble, Logan, for both those guys, plays get killed really quick. And they're both really, really good at it. The last part, so I'm going to throw this back at you. What do you think Daryl was referring to when he talked about the challenge? Uh, probably the, the third pairing, sixth defenseman situation for his team. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%, my friend. That's exactly where he was going. And he is still, and, and I get why, he is. he does not love, even when it's those two guys, that third pair. And and I feel bad for saying it because, you know, Nikita's had a really, really strong year. And, and Michael, I thought, was excellent before he got hurt. I think, I think for the first time all year, he's in a stretch where he's played with different partners. That's never easy. He is an excellent player in terms of his role for this team, I just don't think he's quite where he wants to be and where he needs to be. And he's addressed that even last week before the team went on the road. And the the other interesting part about, and I talked about it last night on the game, Logan, is sometimes, like Nikita Zadorov is actually, I think, played better when he's been in the 20 minute category and into more of the second pair, if you will, role than when his minutes have decreased. And I don't think people understand the value that Zadorov and Goodbranson gave this team last year and both big and heavy and nasty developed an excellent partnership. Goodbranson and Tanev were a, a tremendous penalty-killing pairing, even though they were both righties. So when you get less minutes, you don't get in the same kind of rhythm. And yet your job, Logan, is to make sure that you are not the ability to your group. It's a hard role to play. In some ways, it's a more difficult role than when you're playing 20 to 25. Yeah, it continues to be a, a tough spot for the Flames. We'll see what the rest of this road trip looks like for them. Two more games to go, L.A. and Anaheim Thursday and Friday to finish things off. And while the team is away in California, Lou, they, uh, the Saddle Dome is still busy and busy with a very special occasion tonight. The uh, Calgary Wranglers hosting the Ontario Reign for the second of two. Picked up a big win last night, but tonight uh, it's all about uh, another Sutter at the Saddle Dome. Brett Sutter set to play in game number 1,000. He'll become just the eighth 
person in AHL history to ever skate in a thousand games in that league. It's a tremendous accomplishment uh, and one that he will be celebrating tonight with the uh, team in town that he spent most of his AHL career with in the Ontario reign. And uh, uh, Brett talked about it yesterday when he sat down with Pat on Flames Talk to talk about it and just talk about uh, what a special occasion it's going to be at the Dome tonight. Uh, I think it's just a kind of a, a special moment for myself and my family. And, you know, as it's gotten closer, a good chance to reflect on, on the path that you talked about and the people that have helped you along the way and helped you get here. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it. Met a lot of met a lot of great people along the way, had a lot of great memories, and it's just a good chance to reflect on that. Pretty cool moment tonight for Brett Sutter, Lou. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil Sandra's thunder and i am really excited about again working with her on the ahl broadcast tonight this is just an incredible testament to a fine young man who loves the sport and you know i i'm old enough that i remember brett vividly playing in the western hockey league and like so many of the same named others in that incredible hockey family, the Sutters, what would you get? What do you still get? I've watched him six or seven times this year at 35 years old, hard-nosed, smart, um, reliable, great leadership. That's Brett Sutter. And needless to say, he comes by it honestly. I'm... Very, very happy for him and his family that, you know, the whole situation coming back home, um, you know, the older you get, Logan, if you spend a lot of time in your life away from home and family and friends, you know, in a very difficult business and very difficult business on forget about the players, their families. Um, you never know from one minute to the next where you're going to be. This situation has presented itself. Uh, he's just a good man and, and just a terrific soldier, reliable. And I don't know if Pat asked him. I, I didn't have a chance to listen to all of the interview on my way in last night to downtown. But um, I could see him following in his father's footsteps. If he's interested, I, I think he, I think he potentially would make a great coach. I really do. Yeah. He strikes you as that kind of guy. Hey? Yes. He, well, he's, he's been a leader the whole time, everywhere he's been, every team, you know, he was longtime captain of the Ontario reign. He's the captain of this team. And I think he was captain was never, in Charlotte. Was he not? He, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, he's was a captain in junior. He's, been around it his whole life. It's 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 and it's not all he knows because he made mention of the fact, you know, the one thing about the Sutters, um, in their own circle, and and the demeanor doesn't always tell the story. But but for me, when I think about the Sutters, there's there's three really important things: hockey family, and farming. And they all go hand in hand. So, 
going to be a going to be a really really special night. I think in the number of 40, 45 family and friends are going to be on hand. I don't know if Dad's going to be there. Be be difficult, and if he is, I would hope that maybe Mr. Edwards would put him on a private jet so we make sure he gets there and gets back. Um, but it's going to be going to be a neat night. And just, you know, last point, cool that it comes against Ontario, too, because the timing couldn't perfect. be better, right? That's just, yeah, it's perfect. so picture perfect for him. He spent so many years in that organization, was the captain there for most of his time, Lou, and for them to be in town to this is just, I don't know how it works out any better for game 1,000. No, for it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, you know, he and his family, needless to say, spend a lot of time there when, you know, Daryl and Wanda and Chris and you know everybody was in that part of the world for many years so well it, it is it's it's funny sometimes in life things work out the way they should and tonight is one of those nights uh Lou enjoy the game tonight uh have a I great will. call with Sandra I know you guys are uh, an outstanding duo whenever given the opportunity that's two Two of the best people I know on the call tonight for the Wranglers and the Rain. Have a great call tonight, sir, and we'll we'll chat with you tomorrow on a game day. Hey, okay, pal. Have a great afternoon. There you go, Pete Labardius joins us every single day to kick off Sportsnet today, and he's brought to you by our pals at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows that your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference now, offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Let's dive a little bit more into the Calgary Wranglers. And the big story tonight, Brett Sutter in game number 1,000 will be joined by the voice of the Calgary Wranglers, Sandra Persina, next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It was a big 4-1 win for the Calgary Wranglers last night at the Scotiabank Saddledome. As they took down the visiting Ontario Reign, they'll look to do so once again tonight with a little bit of, I'll say, added circumstances and bigger moments to attend to as well. Welcome back to Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. And very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, welcoming the voice of the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, you know her, you love her. It's uh, also a contributor to uh, Sportsnet 960. It is Sandra Persina this afternoon. Sandra, how are you? Logo, I'm great. How you doing, bud? I'm awesome. Uh, how was it last night at the Saddle Dome? Big 4-1 win for uh, Mitch Love and the Wranglers. Well, it was freezing outside, but things were pretty <laughs> percolating inside the Saddle Dome. And I'm thinking back to this fight. for uh, It was between Adam Klapka and Samuel Hellenius. And that really got things going because it was still 0-0. And then... Calgary really finding its footing in the second period. Marty Pospisil with two goals yesterday. Dustin Wolf so close to another shutout, but he was fantastic. Nearly 40 saves. He picked up his 50th win, actually, in the American Hockey League. So just think how far that young man has come already in his sophomore season, and he's already got 50 victories. So it was a great night, and I think it sets things up very nicely for tonight because the game winner yesterday was scored by Brett Sutter. Yes, and uh, by all accounts, just another night at the uh, rank for Brett Sutter, who you, know, you mentioned scored the game winner, 
was uh, part of a, a good penalty kill, as he usually is for Mitch Love in the group. But that's just kind of the performance that everyone's come to recognize through 999 AHL games for Brett Sutter. And what an accomplishment it will be and what a scene it'll be tonight for Brett, Sandra. Really, what a full circle moment to to be able to do this back home in Alberta with the organization that drafted you so many years ago. And I was just sort of taking a look at his numbers throughout his career. And something I'm going to share throughout tonight's broadcast, it's it's the way that he always leads by example. And there's a reason that he's worn the C in three different spots. He's obviously wearing it here in Calgary. He wore it as a member of the Ontario Reign and in Charlotte as well. And he does those little things. And uh, you mentioned it, PK. He also finds himself on the power play sometimes. And then he's shuffled up and down the lineup. Sometimes if somebody needs a little bit of a spark, you put them to play with Brett Sutter because you just watch him and you want to try and emulate exactly everything that he does. And, and it's not an easy journey. I mean, only eight people, he will be the eighth joining this prestigious club of 1,000 games played in the American Hockey League. That's pretty incredible if you think of the longevity of this league. And speaking of longevity, he's had it. He's been able to stay healthy. And I think it really just comes from the love of his game because if you care about hockey, you're not going to mind that you're one of the only two guys on a Calgary roster that's over the age of 30. I heard that Connor Zary and Jacob Pelche, they call him dad. I mean, he just, he has that sort of, I know I can lead. I still love the game and I can still contribute because he's not there to be a passenger either. He's put up 16 points in 25 games. He plays in all situations and he gets to do it in front of his family and friends on a nightly basis. I think that's pretty cool. What's stood out to you about Brett Sutter, Sandra? You mentioned so many of the good things there, but what what's really caught you about watching him since you've taken over as the voice of the Wranglers this year? I just think his leadership, and I he'd probably do it even if he wasn't wearing the C, but mm. he he's always willing to have discussions on the bench with his teammates. You can see when they're going out, he he's really good in terms of he can line up as a winger or a center. So you see him taking a lot of draws, and they're drawing things out on the ice. What's going to happen if we win the draw? What happens if we lose the draw? And I just love, and this might sound kind of hokey, but I just love the way he's embraced playing at home. It must be, for a hockey player, it must be really cool that, okay, you kind of know that you're getting toward the end of your professional career and to bring it back in the fact that you can play with your mom in the audience, with your spouse in the audience, your children in the audience. Sometimes your dad is there. Uh, I mean, Chris, he is one of the most entertaining parts, <laughs> I think, of uh, Wrangler's broadcast, not on the ice. He's a lot of fun to watch. And I think it comes down to loving hockey and loving family and the fact that Brett can do this at home and really inspire the next generation of these players in the, fa- in the fa- um, excuse me, Flames organization because if you can teach these good habits to somebody like Connor Zarian, Jacob Pelche, Matthew Phillips, I think the future is pretty bright because that's a, that's a good guy to learn from. And I talked about uh, this with your uh, broadcast partner, Peter Labardius, to kick off the hour. But also, I mean, look, the timing is what it is to reach a 1,000 games in and of itself is always cool. But how awesome is it that Ontario's in town, the group that he spent the most of his AHL career with? I, I really don't know that you could time it up better 
as far as being at home in front of everybody against the team that you you know so well and that you were the captain of for so long. It just feels like it's all come together for what should be a great night tonight. Yeah, six seasons with the Ontario Reign for Sutter. And we were kind of joking leading up to this particular two-game set. It's like, okay, are we going to put him in bubble wrap? Like, how can he stay healthy so he can have this really fitting tribute tonight? And I think for Ontario to see their one-time captain reaching this milestone, it's not often, if you think of any league, the NHL or whatever it may be, that you have two meaningful teams honoring a player. And it's almost, if you think back, the, he was with the rain when he hit the 1,000 professional game milestone, and they'll be able to see the second milestone. So I think, uh, you know, I don't know if I believe in storybook endings, but <laughs> this is a pretty good one. Yeah, it's probably as close as you can get. Trevor uh, Sandra Prasina, the voice of the Calgary Wranglers here on Sportsnet 960, ahead of game number 1,000 in the American Hockey League for Brett Sutter, uh, the Ontario Reign in town for game two of two. Uh, this week and uh, just you know talk about the the Wranglers as a whole here Sandra uh, I always listen to those chats that Pat has with Mitch Love on Flames Talk and uh, this group's really come around the last couple of weeks here especially at home and eight and two record in their last 10 and it feels like this team has really found their stride over the last little while yeah this last stretch of 10 games has been interesting and I certainly don't mean any disrespect to San Diego but one of the struggling teams in the American Hockey League. And Calgary was able to take four games against the Gulls. However, I think learning how not to play to the level of a team is something that the Wranglers are figuring out. And I remember post-game after a couple of those victories over the Gulls, Mitch Love, even though his team got the point points, he actually wasn't happy with his team's performance picking up victories because he said they're you know, you don't want to say another team is bad, but you don't want to pick up bad habits. So something this team is learning throughout the season is focusing on those details. With the Manitoba Moose here in Calgary last week, some of those details were still lacking. And then as that set progressed, the Wranglers starting to find their footing once again. And I was curious how they would react to a bit of a hiatus here because they played last Thursday and then they were off until last night. And the first period, you could tell they were finding their legs. But once the second period got going, they were back to the Wranglers that we know, really high tempo, high pace, focusing on taking advantage of turnovers. And what I really liked about the team last night is when you have a player of the caliber of Quinton Byfield on the opposition, and you know what he can do with the puck, he can split the D, he can be fancy, he's a very skilled player, and Calgary with its rather depleted blue line you've got everybody doing the next man up mentality I was just really impressed how Calgary was able to not necessarily manhandle but keep at bay the rain because they've got a lot of talent whether it be Byfield or Turcotte or taking a look at their blue line like a lot of first round picks second round picks not only from Canada and USA but from Scandinavia as well so Calgary just learning itself throughout this season after a bit of a rough start, if you think back to those games versus Coachella. And I think that was a little bit of a culture shock, sticker shock, if you want to call it that, coming into an NHL market. But now the team really embracing playing at the Saddle Dome. They love playing at home. 
the power to play and penalty kill top three in the American Hockey League. So there's a lot to like about this roster right now. A win tonight, and I don't want to jinx them, certainly, but that would put them into first in the Pacific Division. Yeah, it just sort of tells you how good things have gone for them lately. And one of the guys that's really stepped up, you've talked about him a couple times there. He had a couple of shutouts against San Diego. But, man, Dustin Wolf just continues to rise to the occasion to to bring his level up. He's been great as of late. And now, all of a sudden, you're talking about, you know, it was just a so-so start. You got to adjust to Calgary, adjust to all your different surroundings for him. was kind of finding his footing. But now, Sandra, you look at it, a 15 Four and three record for Dustin Wolf and that goals against at two point two six and a nine twenty five save percentage. Those are just outstanding numbers for the Wranglers top goaltender. And he makes difficult saves look easy. There's incredible rebound control. A lot of times there are no rebounds. He tracks the puck so well. And I know there's been a lot of talk about his small stature. At the end of the day, he's six feet tall and about 175 pounds soaking wet. But he reads the game so well. And even if there is a turnover, his reaction is fantastic. So I think people have a lot to be excited about when it comes to Dustin Wolf. And he's a fan favorite. I mean, he's got his own songs at the Saddle Dome as a self-professed Duran Duran fan. He, gets, he hears a lot of Duran Duran in the building, there's a howl. Like, he just loves playing at the Saddle Dome. And I think I think back to the very first game when they were doing the player introductions, and I was sitting in the booth, and I was thinking to myself, I wonder who's going to get the loudest ovation when they're introduced for the first time. And it was Dustin Wolf, and he's lived up to the bill. And if you have a chance to see him, if you haven't been to a Wranglers game, check it out because he alone is worth the price of admission, let alone – a team that's climbing up to first in the Pacific. Uh, for Flames fans, Sandra, give us what you've seen from Kevin Rooney. Now he's played in five games since being sent down and uh, didn't hit the score sheet last night, but sounds as though he's sort of finding his way and trying to get back to uh, the NHL level that he knows he can be at. Yeah, I think, Logan, that's a really good way of putting it, finding his way. And I think this stint in the AHL needs to be a confidence builder for him. The good thing is he's been given a lot of opportunities across all facets of the game. So even strength, you can find him on the first or second line. He's playing power play minutes. He's playing on the PK. Yesterday, he took a really gnarly hit, and I don't even know how to describe it. He was skating backwards, trying to retrieve the puck, and he was hit from behind um, in the center-ish of the ice by TJ Tynan, who's the captain of the Ontario Reign, and Rooney went to the dressing room and it looks like he was okay, but a bit of a scary and shaky moment for him. But I think the more reps that he gets, the more comfortable that he gets just to doing, do the basics because you don't want to hear that narrative. Okay. Here's a guy in the NHL and now he's been demoted. Just do what you need to do that you've been doing your entire career. That's made you a successful player. And you're seeing him use his speed more. He's in on the four check. He's creating turnovers. And I think he's starting to gain a little bit more confidence and he's getting that playing time to do it. Thanks to Mitch Love. Curious about the back end for this team. Uh, it's been tough because the you know the farm club is always at the mercy of what's happening with the big team, and Calgary's had plenty of ins and outs on their defense. So that means plenty of call ups and recalls for guys with the AHL Wranglers. And 
there's been a couple of you know pretty consistent uh, presences on the the Wranglers backs and Sandra and Poirier and and of course Nicholas Malosh. But other than that, Mitch Love's had to deal with a, a pretty rotating cast of characters thanks to what's happened with the Flames. Yeah, I really love what I've seen also out of Yan Kuznetsov. He scored a couple of game-winning goals, and he's not really known for his offensive prowess, but I've enjoyed watching him and see him develop into a professional. And then we talked about it in the beginning, but you've got that next-man-up mentality, and Colton Pullman and Josh Brooks, they've been able to step into the lineup essentially without missing a beat. Ilya Slovyov continues to go about his business. I know he's still waiting on his first goal of the season, but he's not really there to score. He's there to be a solid presence on the blue line. You mentioned Jeremy Poirier. He continues to impress. I absolutely love watching him on the power play. He's so silky smooth in his skating. He's able to quarterback things and really set things up in the offensive zone. I think right now, I haven't checked today because I'm still working on my notes, but I believe he's still continuing to lead AHL rookies in D-man scoring. He has 19 points, picked up a couple of helpers last night. And the nice thing for Jeremy Poirier, I mean, he's going to be in the history books forever with this franchise because he scored the first ever goal and he scored the first ever overtime winner for the Wranglers. So he comes as advertised. He's a lot of fun to watch, a lot of raw tools there. And if you think back, to Flames training camp, he did stick around a little bit longer than some of the other prospects because I think the coaching staff at the big club see something in this kid, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it's interesting because that's a guy that Lou's mentioned a couple times too as, hey, I just wonder if at some point this season, whether it's injuries or just for a look, if if Poirier doesn't get a chance to, to come up and, and get a taste of the NHL. That's literally how impressive he's been, and you know for – you know as well as I do, Sandra, for Lou to to go out of his way to say that about a guy and to, to even have that thought cross his mind. It must have been an impressive part, and that's kind of what Jeremy's always been about. It's never been a question of what he can do offensively or his talent or his skill. It's just sort of putting it together for the whole package, and if he continues to do it in his pro season with Mitch Love and the Wranglers, it's clearly going to gain the attention of the big club. Oh, 100%. And I certainly don't have a crystal ball, and I don't know what the plans are for the back end going forward with this organization. But think of what Chris Tanev was able to do over in Vancouver with somebody like Quinn Hughes. And I'm not saying Jeremy Poirier is Quinn Hughes. That's that's not my comparison. But I'm thinking of you have somebody like Chris Tanev that can lead the way for players that do have a little bit of offensive flair and not calling him a babysitter or something, but he can be the anchor of a pairing on the blue line. So for Jeremy, I would love to see him with the big club, maybe at a point in the season where points aren't as imperative, if I can say it that way. But uh, listen, it, it depends. Uh, and I hope there are no more injuries on the Flames blue line, but if there is a, a smart setting for him to succeed, it wouldn't shock me either. Uh, just a couple more for you, Sandra. Appreciate the time, as always, when we get to chat. To, uh, I have to ask you about, about Zary and Peltier. Uh, just consistent offensive forces for Mitch Love and the Wranglers. 27 points for Jacob, 26 for Connor. They haven't quite caught up to uh, Matthew Phillips uh, for the point lead since he's been with the Flames, but uh, they're making a good push. And it's just every time you want to talk about them, it just sounds 
more and more positive. They they go about their business the right way. And for Flames fans, it's got to be exciting to see these two young guys continue to put up these kind of points at the American Hockey League level. Yeah, Jacob Pelche, I've noticed just being able to see however many games I've seen from the press box so far. And he's just got a motor that doesn't quit. He reads the game really well. 200-foot player. He's smart. He doesn't take penalties. And he can back everything up by being not only a great playmaker, but he's got a nose for the net. And then you compare him to Connor Zeri. They're not necessarily night and day, but for Connor, his game is a little bit different. He's willing to get a little bit more physical. Um, He's not, I would say, more creative, but he's willing to take a couple of more hits to make a play. And I think this is a really nice combination And what I've liked is that both of them can succeed together as a pair or split up from one another. But if Flames fans are wondering, okay, how are some of our first round picks doing? I think both of them have really found their game as this season has progressed. Uh, Away from the Calgary Wranglers, I have to ask you a couple other things because you're you're so well-versed outside of the Wranglers as well with what you do with our our sister station at 660 and City News and everything, Sandra. And how cool must it have been for you the last couple of weeks learning about the Women's Professional Soccer League that's coming to Canada and specifically to Calgary as part of Foothills Soccer. It's a, a great story and one that we can't wait to see develop here. We've known Calgary is such a great soccer city and such a great place for it. And feels as though with the momentum coming off a great World Cup, it's a great time to, uh, to expand and, and to see this story grow more. Yeah, just kind of beaming with pride when I learned about the news and I was able to sort of learn about it behind the scenes a couple of weeks leading up to the announcement. And it it's just no shock to me that Calgary Foothills is spearheading this because you've got Vancouver, which they have a professional team in the Whitecaps that are spearheading the women's program there for this professional league. And then here in Calgary, you have more of a community-based organization when you look at Foothills. And I've been involved with them doing play-by-play and media stuff for, gosh, almost nearly a decade. I don't want to say a decade yet, but maybe 2015, 2016. And I started doing stuff with them for United Women's Soccer. And I just saw how much passion they have for the women's program. And then you hear from somebody like Diana Matheson. And I remember when we were hosting together in the summer, and we actually had Diana on as a guest because it was – hard to believe but the 10-year anniversary of her bronze medal winning goal in 2012 and one of the things she talked about was how Calgary is so impressive as a sports market and we might not notice it because we're born and raised but there are so many things happening around us and so many people that care about sport and growing sport particularly soccer and women's soccer for the people at Foothills so I'm so excited Uh, It makes so much sense that Diana Matheson is running this thing. If you just talk to her for five minutes, you will be absolutely taken in by her vision. She's so smart. She's so methodical, almost cerebral in the way that she speaks. And the thing is, she has the career to back it up. She's a two-time Olympic medalist, over 200 caps for Canada. She's played professionally in America, across the pond. She knows everything. And when you have People like Christine Sinclair, Sophie Schmidt, everybody's cheering you on to get this thing done. It's exciting. I'm just really proud and clearly biased because Calgary is one <laughs> of the first teams, but as we should be because this city has put in a lot of work to grow sport, and it's nice to see us get recognized on the stage. And I want to throw this out. Lee Tucker, 
He's the head coach of Calgary Foothills WFC. And I said to him, uh, as the announcement was being made, I said, your Foothills, things will never be the same because everybody's going to want a piece of you now. And I spoke to him last week as we were working on the story with Diana here. And he said, yep, you were right. My phone's ringing off the hook. Everybody across Canada wants a piece of us. So good for Calgary and good for Foothills. Really proud of what they're doing. And how about that finish to the World Cup? Uh, I, I can't think of a, a better ending and, and what a scene it was. I was talking about it with uh, our pal Alex here the other day about the, the scene in Buenos Aires yesterday as they welcomed home Messi and the World Cup champions. I, I just got me more and more excited for, for 2026, Sandra. Oh, unbelievable. And what a, what a game. I've never had so many hot and this is coming from a person that wasn't vested from a personal interest. I just love soccer and was watching it that way. Croatia was my number one priority essentially. And to see them finish third was awesome. So you go into this game and you're just watching as a fan and to think somebody scored a hat trick and didn't even win the game. Like Mbappe's performance was wonderful but Argentina had a reply essentially for everything that Mbappe was able to do. And Argentina obviously was leading that game after the half. It just nonstop action. I, my mind was blown. And what I loved is the fact that people who aren't necessarily traditional soccer fans sat down, watched that game and were like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. And you said it, the scenes, if uh, I guess yesterday they had to, escort them out by helicopter because things were getting too crazy in Buenos Aires. And for Messi, I mean, you think a little over a year ago that Diego Maradona passed away and it's like this full circle moment, I guess, for Argentinian football and everything that Messi's been able to accomplish. He's literally won everything. So an athlete that's won every single thing that he can win on a team and professional level, that's pretty special. And I think for anybody that witnesses that, uh, they're going to talk about it for years to come and tell their kids and grandkids, yep, I saw Messi hoist the World Cup trophy. Uh, really looking forward to 2026 now. It's got me really excited, and I can't wait after seeing what we saw the last couple of weeks and knowing that the, the scene in Calgary is going to continue to grow on the women's side is all the better. And uh, Sandra, you know, you're the best. Uh, I always appreciate the time getting to chat with you. Have a great call tonight. Enjoy it with Lou, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon, hey? Always my pleasure, Logan. Take good care of yourself. There you go. Sandra Persina, the voice of the Calgary Wranglers, joining us here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, Always kind enough to give us some time to chat. Hockey, soccer, anything. Uh, Sandra's just the best, and uh, she's a regular contributor here on 960. Uh, When hockey season doesn't have her quite as busy, but uh, right now, if you want to find her, AHLTV.com. And, of course, the Wranglers will be celebrating Brett Sutter's game number 1,000 tonight at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Tickets still available. Highly recommend if you haven't had a chance to go catch a Wranglers game, this would be the one to go to tonight ahead of the holidays. Go out and and really help uh, the Flames and the Wranglers organization celebrate everything that Brett's done and uh, a tremendous accomplishment, just the eighth-ever player to reach 1,000 games at the AHL level. We'll take a break, come back, kick off Hour 2, heading back to SAP Center in San Jose. Let's hear from some of the members of the Calgary Flames following their victory against the Sharks. That's next on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.